Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. The uh, vision of Upper Room is to minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer. And so we thought it was pretty important to revisit the topic of worship. And who better to revisit that with than Rafi, who's leading our, our prayer sets and our worship community. And so uh, we're just going to have a, a discussion about worship and what worship looks like for us and, um, and invite you guys into that. And we're going to have fun just in the presence of God. And so um, let's pray again. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've done here, what you're doing here. We thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you. Thank you that you've awakened our hearts. You've opened the eyes of our hearts. We thank you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we get to feel your affection. We get to respond to you. We thank you that we affect you with our love. You're so good, God. We pray for continued wisdom and revelation. We just love your presence. Jesus' name, amen. Um, are you guys familiar with the term prayer room? Let me sit down. Can someone move this table? That'd be awesome. Thank you, Alexis. Well, well done. Okay, so um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with uh, the term prayer room, it's, it's a place founded on the idea that, um, you know, my house will not be, uh, you, you've turned my house into a den of robbers, but my house will be known as a house of prayer for all nations. It's that moment when Jesus comes into the temple and worship has gone all askew in that season. And he comes in and says, this is not what the gathering is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be a, a place of prayer. And then Isaiah 56, 7 is another incredible verse where uh, it says, I will give them joy in my house of prayer. And so the prayer room uh, movement essentially is a, a bunch of crazy Christians trying to put the Holy Spirit center stage again, you know, gathering together to, act, to, to worship and pray and, and do the one thing of, of looking at Christ and ministering to his heart, um, because there's, there's a, a, a subtle and unfortunate shift that sometimes happens in church where we become so people-focused and how to take care of the people that we forget that it's originally about ministering to God's heart. And, um, and it's important to, to make that shift back, and I believe that the, the prayer room culture has really made that shift back to, it's like a course correction for the church, back to putting the Holy Spirit center stage, enjoying God, enjoying us. And you know what happens when we, when we come to minister to God is that God comes to minister to us. Yeah. And so instead of trying to figure out how to minister to every single person, when we come together to minister to God, God ministers to every person. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. And so um, yes. we, used, we used to say, we used to have this phrase, we used to have this phrase that we are, um, we're not a church with a prayer room, we're a prayer room with a church. 
And we said that for a while because it helped people recalibrate the idea of what it is when we're gathering together. But the, more, the longer we said it, the more we said it, I, I started to feel like it was a little bit of, uh, it was becoming like an unhealthy dichotomy. Like there shouldn't be a delineation between church and house of prayer. Church should be a house of prayer and a house of prayer should be church, right? Jesus didn't come and like, say there's a big difference between being a church and being a house of prayer. He would say things like, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And then he would say, on this rock, I will build my church, right? So Jesus, he's not trying to say that there's something different. He's trying to say that church, this is what church should look like. And so we are a praying church. We are a church and we are a house of prayer. We are a house of prayer and we are a church. We're a gathering of saints that enjoys the Holy Spirit. And so we minister to his heart through worship and prayer. And uh, that's who we are. And that's what we're going to keep on doing. Amen? Amen? All right. Rafi, do you know why upper room worship leaders don't go bungee jumping? Because they always get stuck it's on the bridge. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to wait for me to, to oh. say why. <laughs> and in my head, I was going, should I enable him or should I not? <laughs> should I shut this down now? Because <laughs> I think he has more jokes. <laughs> you know me all too well, Ravi. Do you know why upper room worship leaders always smell like turkey? Why, Jeremy? Because they're always bringing Thanksgiving. Does that just happen when you have your first child? You just start thinking of those jokes. Ooh, zinger. That's good. (laughs) Ashley said way before that. Um, Okay. So, Rafi, answer me this question. This is no longer a joke, by the way. how, how has worship changed for you over the, over the years? Oh, my gosh. Gear shift. What the heck? Um, how has it changed? I think, well, we sort of talked about that earlier. Um, I think probably the biggest way, one of the biggest and simple ways it changed was when I was younger, I grew up in church, so when I was younger, I felt like worship and music were like the same thing. Um, And like the music part of the service is called worship, so that must be what worship is, it's when we sing together. And as I've grown up in in God, um, I know that worship has like nothing to do with music. Music is an amazing way to, to engage in worship, um, and pr- I think I might be biased, but I think it's probably one of the best ways. Um, but it is not what it is like at all. Um, so that's probably the biggest way it's changed. I couldn't agree more, Rafi. <laughs> there are... That's called a set. So now you can just. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> 
It's, I think it's important for us to completely get rid of the secular sacred divide and realize that when we're working as unto the Lord, then everything we do is a sweet smelling aroma of worship to him. And like the people up here on this stage that can um, play an instrument and carry a tune are no more spiritual or no more important than uh, the people who uh, know how to be CPAs or dig ditches or run businesses. And... 100, yes, you clap for that. <laughs> Hol holy accountant. We've got a lot of debauchery happening on our taxes. Not the church taxes. Well, well, not the church. <laughs> the people in the church's taxes. Come on. <clears throat> Guys, I don't have a filter right now. This is crazy. This is very vulnerable. This is, this is wonderful. I'm glad we're doing this for the first time. Um, <laughs> okay, so for me, I, something that shifted in worship for me is, uh, I, I bet you a, a lot of you guys remember this season where there were tons of worship songs written about, uh, please God, would you come... Uh, we're, we're hungry, come Lord Jesus, over and over. And, and man, they were powerful and I would encounter God. Um, but then a, a shift began to happen just in my, my understanding that uh, I don't have to beg God into a room where he already is. And, and so I began to, instead of, instead of singing, God, would you come, would you come? If I begged you, would you come? I started singing, I'm so happy that you're here. And I began to celebrate uh, his ever presence. I began to celebrate that he never leaves and never forsakes. And uh, we actually, we hit that today when you started singing. Um, instead of singing, I want to see you, you started singing, I get to see you. Yeah. Did y'all feel the difference in that, in that phrasing? It's a slight shift, but I think we need a slight shift. <sighs> Right? Um, but the cool thing, Rafi and I were talking about this. You know, uh, you want to talk about, like, what it was like, like, in those seasons, like, even when we were singing what might be deficient truth or not the whole truth? Yes. Yeah, sure. I just kept, I just kept thinking, um, God is, like, still so moved by that. Like, there's so many churches in Dallas that are singing songs of, like, you know, please come fill the room or those kind of things. And he's so moved by that, which should, for me, makes me like step back and go, not get mad at someone who doesn't understand. Because first of all, that was me like a second ago. You know what I mean? Um, so who am I to turn around and go, what's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, I know. Yeah. Um, and then also like, who is God that... They have, like, maybe they have a misunderstanding or someone, I don't, I mean, that's me right now. Like, whatever we just sang, I'm sure there's bad theology in there. Because uh, five years ago, I was singing things that now I know, well, that was, that's not really, you know what I mean? And so in the midst of that, God is so moved. And so if you take a step back, you realize, well, God is not moved by good theology. Theology is amazing. It's very important for us to to continually develop our understanding of God as the Holy Spirit teaches us and the teaching of like the church and 
everyone around and just discovering God is so important. But in the midst of that, he's so moved in every stage. And so it's sort of like, who is, like God is so incredible. And then what is it that's actually moving him if it's not the good theology or the right words? And so that's what, I mean, he, that, that to me is really what worship is. Um, in Psalms 51, David says, like, these sacrifices, these bulls and goats, you've not desired. Like, you don't delight in them. And when I think of bulls and goats, it's like the best thing I have to bring or, like, my works or the things I do or songs with good theology. All of those things, it's like the, the things I can bring God or the things I do for God. And, and David's, like, in this very insightful moment where he's, he's killed a woman's husband so he can have her as his wife, and he gets rebuked by a prophet, and he's very, like, in this vulnerable state. I think David was realizing, even in this state of me being super messed up, you're still moved by me because the sacrifice you delight in is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And so David, like, realizes this thing, like, oh, my gosh, I've been, you know, everyone around here thinks you're pleased by what we bring you and what we do for you. But I'm realizing even on my worst day, you're moved by me. So that's, it's like a really good thing to realize about God. (laughs) You're like, oh, my gosh, before, you're saying before I've done anything, you're pleased with me. And I think in Jesus's life, it's, it's reflected in this moment where before he starts his ministry, the heavens, he's done nothing of like ministry for God and the heavens open and the father goes, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he hasn't done anything for me yet. He just is my son and that's why I'm pleased. And so even in broken theology or off-pitch notes or whatever it is that you bring God, it's, his, it's your heart that he's after. So I, I even was telling Jeremy, like, I'm hesitant to talk through, like, what I've learned about worship for me or the increased understanding I feel like I have of God because I don't want it to sound like I'm saying, if you don't know this yet, you're disqualified because I don't want anything we say to become a hindrance of you bringing your heart. Yes. You know what I'm, does that make sense? So I wanna say that, like, because that's, because that's what he's after, that's what he delights in. Yeah, I think something that God really loved about David wasn't that he was always singing the right thing, it's that he was always honest. Yes, yeah. And like, we have good days and bad days, and on our bad days, sometimes we sing the wrong thing. We sing something that isn't quite reality, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fact of the matter is, God hadn't forsaken him, but it sure felt like it, right? And so he sang it at God, and then he had breakthrough. I think a lot of us miss dramatic moments, including myself. I've missed dramatic moments with God by singing or praying something to him that I think he wants to hear instead of telling him what I, is actually going on in my life. Yes. Yeah. I want to say, say this. God is not intimidated by your humanity. He made you that way. Like, he made your emotions. Maybe that didn't, maybe that didn't hit right. I'm like... And he got that all the way. my mind. I'm like, yeah. what the heck? He got all the way into his humanity to get with you. <laughs> yeah. 
even like Psalm 51, David prays something that was probably a reality for people living in the old covenant. You know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We still sing that today for some reason. And David, up in the great cloud of witnesses, is like, y'all, that was a question for which Jesus is the answer. You're on the other side of that problem. We, you, if we sing, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, the angels are like, what? What are they talking about? <laughs> it, it's in him while he sings it. He's like, the Holy Spirit yeah, the whole, is in him. The whole time while you were talking, he... God was holding your skin together <laughs> <laughs> with the word of his power. <laughs> that is crazy. If you think, honestly, that's just for fun. Everyone who is like an atheist is being held together by the word of his power right now. They're going, you don't exist, and they're being held together by his <laughs> It's just crazy. It's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, Rafi, I had this question in here because you, you had mentioned it when we were talking about today, but about... Does, does God need worship from us? No. <laughs> That's actually in... Wait, did we talk about that? I don't, I don't know. That's actually in... I forget the... It's in Acts. He's taught... It's in the right before he says, uh, in you we live and move our, and have our being. Paul says this phrase, as if he needed anything from us. Like, we <laughs> act like he needed anything. Like, he you're welcome, something. God. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely does not need our worship. So when we worship him, like, why, why does he encourage us so heavily, even borderline commanding worship? You, you tell me. <laughs> Here's what I think. If God doesn't have a glory battery that gets on low and needs it to be refilled by us giving him glory, right? He doesn't, right? And if he is completely secure in himself and doesn't need to be reminded how awesome he is by us, right? <laughs> then, um, then when we worship the Lord, it is, it is about an intimate exchange. It is about relationship. It's about when we come in and sing to him or express our love for him, he finally has like this moment to bum rush us, you know? He, he like jumps on that moment yeah. and pours out his affection on us. And we're singing to him, you're good, you're glorious, you're wonderful, and he's whispering our identity to us. And it's recalibrating everything in our lives in that moment. Worship, it is obviously for God, we are praising the Lord, but man, what happens in that exchange of affection and adoration is... It's almost like you said it's obviously for God, and I think I heard something in there mm -hmm. where I feel like it's it's to God, but it's it's not necessarily for God. Come on, does that make sense? Yeah, it's like if Jeremy was like looking at Ashley and going like, "You're so beautiful. I love you. You're the greatest woman I've ever known." That was for Ashley. Like what? You know what I mean? Like you're like, wait, what? It was for her, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, no. so she could be okay, you know? Like, what? it's like, did you really mean it or did you just do it for her? Yeah. But if you're, if you're doing this, like, unto her, to her, just because your heart was moved, it's like a response to what yeah. everything Ashley 
who Ashley is is screaming, you're just like, oh my gosh. I'm just responding to what I'm seeing. And when you know her, she's easy to praise. Yeah. Yes. So like, we don't actually have to teach people how to worship if we show them who they have the opportunity to worship. Yes. That's why we, we focus on the nature of Christ, who he is, what he's like, his works, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, because the story, the person of Christ, when you're awakened to him, I don't have to tell you to worship. Yeah. Like, you're going to be like, yeah, of course, I'm going to worship. Have you seen him? Like, yeah, I have right. seen him. He's worthy, isn't he? Yes, he's worthy. Which sometimes <laughs> worship is hard. And so the question is like, well, why, is wor- why would worship be hard? And, I mean, you want to, because sometimes it is hard. It is hard. And um, if you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, you've had horrible things happen in your life. And you choose to worship God, and then a weird thing begins to happen, right? The more it happens, the more like hard stuff happens and you worship God, the more you almost love the fact that you get to worship him when it's hard. You're almost like, oh man, I'm gonna teach the enemy a lesson also. Like, holy cow, like Jesus, you're wonderful. This week, uh, we had a crazy week. Uh, uh, this isn't me complaining or asking for handouts or anything like that. I'm just telling you a story. Our, the transmission in our truck died. It's rough. Whatever. It's an old truck. We'll get it fixed. The next day, I wake up to a flat tire in our remaining working vehicle. Whatever. Tires go flat. No big deal. I go get four new tires on it. Two days later, I wake up, and that vehicle's been stolen out of our driveway. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Glad you're laughing. <laughs> and okay, so you know what's crazy? I know you're thinking, oh, poor Jeremy and Ashley. No, it's fine. Okay, we've had a thing go wrong in our life and worship the Lord and see the testimony on the other side of it. So, um, so what, what we did, I mean, the, the moment of shock is crazy. You're like, it's so weird to have your car just gone. And the kids are freaking out. I'm like, shuck family meeting and so we go to the living room i grab my guitar and i say hey guys we were wronged and what we do when we're wronged is we respond by worshiping the lord and blessing the people who wronged us and so i started playing um i'm so grateful you're so faithful you're my savior strong and true I'm so grateful, you're so faithful, I place all my trust in you. And so the shucks gathered together and worshiped the Lord in the midst of our broke down truck and stolen car. (laughs) And now we're just waiting for the testimony. It's going to be great. If you do think of us this week, I just want you to know those sweet young men who stole stuff from us and people out on the street. They chose the right house because now every time that anybody thinks about what's going on with us, I want you guys to pray and bless them for encounter because this is what they chose the right place to go to because they're getting encountered, they're getting prayed for, and they're going to get messed up. We're, uh, we're about out of time, but I want to I wanna just jump into one more quick topic. What does it mean to look at God. Because we, we talk about, hey, just, just look at him, our eyes are on you, like, 
What does it mean? Has anyone heard that, like, that exact phrase? Like, here or at, like, raise your hand if you've heard someone say, look at Jesus or look at God. Right. Well, me too. I, I don't, I probably did hear it, but I don't remember hearing it before I got to Upper Room. And then I heard it all the time. It was like I did the school of ministry at Upper Room, and like the first day, Corey Russell was like, the most prideful thing you can say is do more, that you need to do more. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, you need to look at him more. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> And I, I was, you do such a good Corey, by yeah, the way. I've done a lot of practicing. Glad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a little dirty ball. Um, okay, so, but it was, it confronted me, I think. I mean, at first it just made me mad. So I was like, what do you mean, look at God? I can't see him. No man has seen the Lord. Like, what do you, I can't see God. And so it was, it was, confrontational but I think a lot of times in frustration like that's a this is another thing Corey used to say questions are the doorway to revelation and so he his that's a whole side thing but his choice to not explain what he was saying created like a ah, like I'm gonna wrestle this out but I did it with God and not with Corey like I I did it with God and um I was telling Jeremy, I like wrote, should I just read that thing? I don't know if I have my phone. I don't have my phone, but um, I, oh yeah, it's right there. I wrote this down like during that time. And so when Jeremy asked, is this okay? Yeah. Okay, so look at Jesus. This statement is confrontational for most Christians. This concept is in the New Testament over and over again. It's the substantive act of beholding Jesus. It confronts pride. It is the purest form of recognizing I bring nothing to the table. It's 100% him. Numbers 21, simply look on the serpent in your affliction and you'll be healed. Hmm. The good news is the son of man has been lifted up. He has the name above all names. If you humble yourself and recognize his great power, mercy, and love towards you in your affliction, you'll be healed and sanctified as you look upon him. It's the action that requires the least amount of human effort, a glance, turned attention, recognition. And then I wrote in here, the most prideful thing you can say in light of the cross, which finished all of the work, is I need to do more. You need to look at him more. And then, and then I studied like through the New Testament, all, the, all these phrases, because I realized it wasn't literally looking. It was, uh, it's, it's our words trying to describe a spiritual thing happening inside of us. And so I realized it's not just looking, but in scripture it says to behold him, looking to him, consider him, gazing on him, seeing him, coming to him, approaching him honoring him in your heart, looking at him. And all, all these things to me are describing uh, this, this action of beholding. Yeah, it's so good. Hey, um, let's sing to the Lord as we close out this morning. And just imagine he's just standing 
right there, or maybe you're standing on the, the crystal sea of glass with the angels, elders, and four living creatures. Can we just stand, and we're just going to end like this. <clears throat> holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. You Holy Spirit, we love your presence. We love that you're always with us. I pray for myself and everyone in this room, Lord, that you would continue to awaken us to your goodness. Father, and that you would uh, help us to, in those moments, to turn our hearts to you. I pray that this week would be a week full of powerful uh, encounters with your affection. In Jesus' name, amen.